today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. This man was willing, he was desiring to draw closer to God. He wasn't satisfied with his formal connection of just going up to the temple however often that he did that. He wasn't satisfied with being a God-fearer. I believe that he truly wanted to know God. The unfortunate thing is too many people, I believe even in our world today, we are more than satisfied to go through a formal ritual. Oh, it's Sunday morning, that's my habit. I go to church. I hear the music, I hear a lesson, and I go home, and I've just done my formal thing. This man was no longer satisfied with that. Oftentimes, people are content with their rituals of attending church, reading a chapter a day, and placing a check in the offering each month. But for some, this isn't enough. Are you too easily satisfied with a stale ritual religion instead of a personal true relationship with God? Today, Pastor David will encourage you if you want a closer relationship with God. Dig into scripture, ask questions, and seek to know Him more. God is faithful and will meet you and reveal Himself to you in powerful ways. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 8 as he continues his message, God's Work on the Move, Gaza to Caesarea. You move into a place that is so dark that you can feel the darkness. You move into a place where suddenly it is so quiet that the loudness of the quiet itself is deafening. Fear actually begins to wrap its cold fingers around you, driving out hope squeezing out any hope that God is actually going to do something because it's been so quiet and so silent for so long. But beloved, that's when we need to trust him the most. In the darkness and in the quiet, that's when we need to trust him the most. Because God is still God. He is still in control. He's still on his throne. And he has for you good and not evil. He desires to move and work in your life. He is standing guard over you. He is preparing you. He is, even in the midst of that, he is strengthening you, and he is, I believe, even setting up divine appointments for you. Up in verse 29, it said, the Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. Now that in itself is kind of exciting when you think about it. All, all, all this eunuch had was a few horses to drive his chariot, but Philip had the Holy Spirit power of God within his life. Go and overtake that chariot. Wouldn't, wouldn't you think that God would say, uh, this chariot's going to stop up here in about a mile or two, so Philip, that's where I want you to be, so when that chariot stops. No, this chariot's on the move. And it says, no, go and overtake that chariot. 
And then Luke really makes it clear to us. Philip ran. He had to run to catch. That doesn't make any sense to me. God, if you're going to set up this appointment, why don't you make it easy for me? No, Philip had to do something. Philip had to be involved in this. Philip had to run. And he ran with a purpose. And beloved, I believe that if God calls you to it, God will enable you to do it. But you need to be willing to step out, to step up. And even as in Philip's case, you need to run to it. Spirit said to Philip, go near, overtake this chariot. In verse 30 it says, so Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. You see, he stopped actually about a a verse too short here, and we'll look at that in a moment. This man was willing, he was desiring to draw closer to God. He wasn't satisfied with his formal connection of just going up to the temple, however often that he did that. He wasn't satisfied with being a God-fearer I believe that he truly wanted to know God. The unfortunate thing is too many people, I believe even in our world today, we are more than satisfied to go through a formal ritual. Oh, it's Sunday morning. That's my habit. I go to church. I hear the music. I hear a lesson and I go home and I've just done my formal thing. This man was no longer satisfied with that. He wanted to have a true relationship with God. And so he asked Philip, can you explain these things to me? He searches the scripture. He has honest questions. And beloved, here's what you need to understand. God loves honest questions. There's things in your life that you don't understand. Is it a sin to say, why God? It's not. I believe that's an honest prayer. Lord, I don't understand this. I would love to know why. Does he always give an answer? No. Many of you can testify of that. We may never know this side of heaven what God is doing when he's doing it. And even when we read the scriptures, I encourage people as you're reading the scriptures and you don't understand something, don't get so hung up, don't get so flustered and, and, and tripped up on it. Just circle that, put a date next to it and keep reading you might be amazed that in the next month or six months or a year later, you're reading that same passage and suddenly you read it, oh, that's what that meant. That's so simple, I understand it now. Why? Because God is revealing his truth to you as you continue on in his word. This man was reading actually out of Isaiah chapter 53, verse 34. The eunuch answered Philip, And said, I ask you, after he's read this passage, I ask you, to whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or some other man? And then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning at this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. So Philip begins this uh, traveling Bible study as they're going down the road headed to Gaza. 
He starts at that scripture and he continues on, probably through that whole section of the scripture we know of as Isaiah 53. Now, Isaiah 53 is known as a section of the suffering servant or the suffering servant chapter. Now, the Jews, by and large, avoid this chapter like the plague. They don't want to hear this message because this message actually speaks to them that Messiah is going to come and he will have to suffer. And they read it and they don't understand it. They just avoid it completely. And it's interesting that Isaiah was written about 700 years before the time of Christ. But when you look at Isaiah 53, you see the life of Christ, particularly the suffering of Christ and the crucifixion of Christ so clearly and so plainly. Let's take a moment and look there if you would. Keep something there in Acts chapter 8. We'll be back. Go over to Isaiah chapter 53. This whole passage is so powerful. I don't have time to uh, do a Bible study on the whole chapter. Uh, I'll probably comment on it a little bit, but I want to read through it, and I want you to understand. Put yourself in the place of that eunuch. As Philip will explain, not just read, but Philip will explain, you now this side of the cross, you can see what's written here and you can place this again into the life of Jesus. And I believe that that's what Philip was doing for this eunuch as he's reading this passage to him. Isaiah chapter 53, beginning in verse one, who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness when we see him. There's no beauty that we should desire him. Let me stop right there. I'm not gonna teach at all, but I, I, this portion, you know, we look at pictures of Jesus today, and uh, so often, man, he's, he's, he's a good-looking buff dude, right? I mean, he's got, sometimes he's got blue eyes and wavy hair, and you think, really? Is that really what Jesus looked like? Let me mess your mind up for a moment. You guys are old enough to remember seeing pictures of Osama bin Laden. I think Jesus looked more like Osama bin Laden than he did like most of the pictures that we see today. He says he wasn't beautiful. There was nothing about his physical appearance that drew people to him. It was the Spirit of God that drew people to him. Isaiah writes that out for us. There was no beauty that we should desire him. Verse three, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs. He carried our sorrows. And yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement or the punishment of our peace was laid upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted and yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off 
from the land of the living. Now that's where that passage stopped in the book of Acts. But look at the next phrase. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. There's a theological term. It's called substitutionary atonement. Substitutionary atonement. And when we look at this, it explains it so well. Look back up in verse 4. He has borne upon himself our griefs. They've been placed upon him. He is the one that carried our sorrows. Our sorrows were placed on him. They were substituted. They were placed upon him. He was the one that was wounded for our transgressions. He was the one who was bruised for our iniquities. You see, all that we deserve was placed on Jesus. All the punishment for our sin, the iniquity, the transgressions, everything was placed on him. Where it says we were were like sheep. We'd gone astray. We turned every one of us to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all because he took our sin. Beloved, that's where atonement, that's where the forgiveness of sin is made available to us. Verse 9, they made his grave with the wicked but with the rich at his death. Actually, the way that really should be, they, they executed him just like the wicked. They, they murdered him just like he was one of the wicked. Remember, he was on the cross between the two thieves. He was executed along with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. And where was he buried? In the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. Matthew tells us that Joseph was a rich man. Luke tells us that Joseph was a member of the council. That's the council of the Sanhedrin the Supreme Court of Israel. Now we also know because Luke tells us he did not vote with the Sanhedrin to execute Jesus. I believe that when they hustled that meeting all together in those early morning hours, somebody just accidentally forgot to talk to Joseph to be at that meeting. We don't want him because he seems to be too favorable. He had done no wickedness, nor was any deceit in his mouth. We could look over at Psalm 22, and 22, it speaks so clearly of the, 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 the act of crucifixion, and crucifixion hadn't even been invented yet when David wrote that, some 300 years before Isaiah, about 1,000 years before Jesus, and yet he speaks about, they pierced my hands, they pierced my feet, all of my bones are out of joint, I can count my ribs. A clear picture of crucifixion. And I believe that as Philip began with this scripture in Isaiah, he probably went all through the Old Testament word of God showing Jesus here, Jesus here, Jesus here. I believe that as he laid that out, the truth of that word for someone who is sincere in his search and in his desire for God, the Holy Spirit revealed these things to him. Because now back in Acts chapter 8, Now as they went down the road, verse number 36, as they went down the road, they came to some water. Don't you just love it when God puts those things together? Makes me wonder how long that water had been there, you know. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Do you understand? It wasn't Philip that said, hey, by the way, you've got to be baptized. 
not at that point. I believe that probably as he went through the Bible study, he explained to him the need to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. I believe that he explained to him that baptism was more than just some ritual act that you went through, but baptism, again, is, again, a declaration of the reality that you are dead to your old self and you are now alive in Christ. Jesus told his disciples, go and baptize them. Not that the baptism has any saving value within it, but it is a clear declaration, a clear testimony of what has happened within a believer's life. He said, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Philip said, man, there's only one thing. Verse 37, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And hear the testimony of that eunuch. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that in that declaration and in in the midst of that Bible study that Philip had with him, he said that more than just a head knowledge. It's not that just suddenly he has the fact that Jesus was the Son of God, but I believe that it was a heart reality, a heart realization that Jesus was that sacrifice that Isaiah was speaking of. He was the one who was the substitute for my execution. He received it himself. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he was baptized. Philip questioned, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And this man gave a sincere, a direct declaration of his faith. He doesn't go into the whole theology of what it means. But I believe even as Philip had shared with him, he understood. He was baptized. He believed and he was baptized. Have you made a commitment of your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? and yet never followed him in believer's baptism. Oh yeah, I made that decision uh, months ago, years ago, decades ago, but I've never really been baptized. What hinders you? You know, it's the command of the Lord to be baptized. And when we don't follow him in baptism, guess what? We're being disobedient to the Lord's command. We're walking in disobedience, particularly when opportunities come that we could be baptized. What hinders you from being baptized? If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who is sacrificed for your sin, raised again, and is now seated at the right hand of God Almighty, if you believe with all your heart, then you may be baptized. But you see, it's that belief thing that some people still have a problem with too. Because part of that belief speaks of that absolute surrender, of coming to that acknowledgement that he is God and I'm not. I want him to reign and rule in my life. They baptized that eunuch, but that's not quite the end of the story. Now when they came out of the water, verse 39, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. Here we go, he's on the move again. And so that eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found in Oztos. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. 
Ostos is located on the Mediterranean coastline, about 20 miles north of Gaza. It's about 20 miles south of Joppa, which is right next to our modern-day Tel Aviv. Philip continued on preaching as he continued on northward up the coastline from that area on up to Caesarea, a journey of about 60 miles. What we see here is God's man on the move. Willing to go where you want me to go, dear Lord, wherever that might be. 20 years later, we actually find Philip living in the city, the coastline city of Caesarea. We call it today Caesarea Maritima or Caesarea by the sea, where Herod had a great vacation time. Uh, Pilate would go over there again by the seacoast, a very, very busy area there in Caesarea. Philip lived there. Again, as I said, in Acts chapter 12, when we get there, we'll find that Philip is still living there. He's got four daughters. His four daughters have the gift of prophecy. God is continually using him. And what we see in Philip is his heritage of a man that was willing to do even the small things for God. Even the beginning things. Remember, Philip was a man who started out as one of the seven servants waiting on the tables taking care of the issues of the widows and the resources. And yet God moved him. Why? Because he was faithful in the little things and God made him responsible for the bigger things. And we see the hand of God working and moving in Philip's life. What is the heritage that you leave in your life? Some of you are young. You're thinking, well, heritage, I'm just starting on that. But many of you this morning, you're in the, let's face it, you're just in the last, I'll be generous, I'll say the last third of your life. What kind of heritage are you leaving? I look at a man like Philip. I see, I don't know what Philip's life was before he became one of the seven servants. Maybe he had a lot of issues in his life. Maybe he had a lot of uh, things go wrong in his life. But we do know this, that when God called him to step up and serve, he was willing to step up and serve and do whatever it was that the Lord wanted him to do. The small things, the menial things, the things that nobody really you know, might uh, recognize but very busy in the background. But Philip knew the Lord, and because he knew the Lord, he was willing to serve the Lord with his whole heart. And because he was serving the Lord with his whole heart in whatever way that God had called him to be, God worked and moved in his life in a powerful way and gave Philip a great heritage in his daughters and perhaps those that went after him. That song that I quoted earlier from Mary Brown back in the 1800s, The third verse of that song, there's surely somewhere a lowly place in heaven's harvest field so wide where I may labor through life's short day for Jesus the crucified. So trusting my all to thy tender care and knowing thou lovest me, I'll do thy will with a heart sincere and I'll be what you want me to be. My hope, my prayer is that you could connect with the truth of that song. I just want to be what you want me to be, Lord. Whether I'm in the last third of my life, the middle third, or I'm just getting into this thing, that I will be what you want me to be. Find me faithful, Lord. 
That's all we have time for on today's edition of The Open Word. Pastor David has been teaching through the book of Acts, introducing you to the early church and how they were radically changed by an encounter with the Holy Spirit. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to let you know how you can listen to more editions of The Open Word. Here's Pastor David. I'm so glad you tuned in today to The Open Word. As you know, this broadcast is meant to share with you the hope, grace, and love that can only be found through Jesus Christ. Would you like to listen to more of them? Well, just visit theopenword.com. You'll be directed to our Facebook page where we're adding all of my previous messages for you to listen to for free. Be sure to like and follow that page and feel free to share it with your friends. That website, again, is theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David. We'd like to take a moment before we close and ask you to consider partnering with us here at The Open Word. Would you pray for us and for our listeners? We know the enemy attempts to hinder the truth of the gospel from being spread. He will stop at no cost to prevent even one heart from turning to Jesus. Thanks for partnering with us in this, and thanks for listening to The Open Word. Do you live in Casa Grande? If so, we'd love to meet you. Come join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande on Saturday at 6.30 p.m. or Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Directions can be found at theopenword.com. That's all for today. Thanks again for tuning in and for praying for The Open Word.